0: A great big hand clap of praise! Oh, come on, let's praise Him. Amen. So good to be here with you this morning. Love and appreciate Cornerstone Church. Love and appreciate the Mayo family. Amen. And um, I want to, I want to hurry up and get into this because I do have uh, a little bit of teaching I want to do. Um, I am going to say this. Uh, I'm a little nervous this morning um, because this is not my first choice uh, as far as uh, what I was going to talk about this morning, but uh, I tried to wiggle out of it, but I felt like the Holy Ghost is pressing me to go forward and and teach this word, amen, and so uh, I want to obey God, and I feel like even just in the last few seconds, God has uh, confirmed to me that what I'm doing is right, amen, so let us pray together and then you may be seated. Jesus, we thank you for your word. Your word is powerful and it is anointed. God, I'm asking you to touch me today. and Let a spirit of prophecy and kindness, love and mercy, grace and hope and faith wash over me, God. That I may preach and project your word the way it ought to be. In Jesus' name, and someone say amen. Shake somebody's hand, give them a great big God bless you. And you may be seated. Antonio Bienvenida is one of the most famous bullfighters to have ever lived. In his lifetime, he killed thousands of bulls. Year after year, people from all over the world flocked to stadiums to see Bienvenida slay ferocious bulls. When Antonio Bienvenida wasn't fighting fully grown bulls, he sharpened his skills by practicing bullfighting with smaller, younger calves. One day, while practicing with one of these smaller calves, Antonio turned his back on the calf and was hit from behind. Antonio was rushed to the hospital and to everyone's shock and horror, died a few hours later due to the injuries. It seems hard to believe that a man who killed thousands of grown bulls would die at the horns of a smaller, younger calf. But that's exactly what happened. What this man's life teaches us is that little things can hurt us in big ways. Little things can hurt us in big ways. As strange as it may sound, big problems often bring out the best in us. It's the small problems that bring out the worst in us. I've seen people rise to the occasion in the face of all kinds of adversity and struggle and Unbelievable chaos, but then fall, fail, and walk out on God over little things. Jesus even told the religious of his day, he said, you swallow camels, but you strain at gnats. You do the big things well, but it's the little stuff you get caught up on. Fortunately, the Bible is careful to direct our attention To this exact problem. Page after page in scripture warns us about the little things that cause big problems. In 1 Corinthians 5 and 6, the apostle Paul says, your boasting is not good. Don't you know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? The wisest man in scripture, Solomon, would tell us in songs of Solomon 2 and 15, take us the foxes, the little foxes. That spoil the vines, for our vines have tender grapes. In these two passages that I just read, the Bible speaks about leaven, lumps, and little foxes. But what does all this mean? The first verse regarding a little leaven is talking about an ingredient that is used in bread in order to make it rise and puff up. Without it, bread would be flat. What's important to know about leaven? is that you don't need a lot of it to see its effects. Paul will liken leaven to sin. And Paul wants us to know, he's trying to teach us, that it only takes a small amount of sin, wrong actions, and bad decisions for our whole life to be affected. It doesn't take a lot of trouble to cause a lot of trouble. Remember this, trouble is easy to get into, And hard to get out of. Therefore, any amount of unnecessary trouble, especially self-inflicted trouble, should be avoided at all costs. You see these books, they're not as popular today as they were back in the day. But these books of don't sweat the small stuff. You better sweat the small stuff. You probably shouldn't obsess over it, but you definitely shouldn't take your eyes off of it. Because little bulls can kill bullfighters. The second verse that we read explains how that it's the little foxes that ruin vineyards. The reason that little foxes ruin vineyards is because unlike larger animals, they're not able to reach the branches of the grape tree. Instead, they chew away at the base of the tree until it falls down. And once the base of the grape tree has been chewed up, the tree is ruined forever. And Solomon says, it's these little guys you got to look out for. Little issues, little hang-ups, little strife, little sin, little unnecessary grievances resemble the little foxes. They chew away at our strength and at the base and the trunk of our life. Until we are no longer able to recover. This is why we pray daily. A daily prayer life keeps the little foxes at bay. Because your flesh reboots every morning. It does not matter how glorious this service is. This glory, this glory will have to be harbored and cultivated tomorrow morning. children of Israel crossed the Red Sea and then landed in Elam. God parted red waters. And then when they got to a bitter lake, they could not believe God for a miracle.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And they went from music to murmuring.
1: Good. Good.
0: It's Monday morning we got to look out for. Because the little foxes come out. And the leaven starts getting sprinkled everywhere. We cannot afford to ignore the effects of small things. I want to talk to you about three little things that cause big problems. That scared me. Hallelujah. I want to talk to you about three little things that cause big problems. Bless you. Proverbs 6.10 says, yet a little sleep, yet a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep. So shall thy poverty come as one that travaileth, and thy want as an armed man. Can I just talk to us for a few minutes? Never underestimate the absolute havoc that laziness can have on your life. Just a little bit of laziness can creep into our lives bit by bit. Piece by piece, little fox by little fox, leaven by leaven. And once it takes hold of our life, it will totally ruin our life. I can't tell you how many people I know that let laziness creep into their lives. And before they know it, they're losing everything. You can't be lazy about your marriage. You can't be lazy about raising your children. You can't be lazy about getting up and going to work. You can't be lazy about taking care of yourself. You can't be lazy about coming to church. You can't be lazy about getting dressed for church. You can't be, we cannot afford to be lazy. Come on somebody, I know we don't really preach on this a lot. But there's marriages that are being ruined because of a lazy husband. There's marriages that don't need counseling, they need a wife that isn't lazy. There's there's teenagers, their problem is not, amen, what they say it is. It's laziness, just flat out laziness. And before you get lazy enough, and before you know it, poverty comes in like an armed man. It doesn't warn you, it doesn't tell you it's coming, it just it just ransacks the place. And before you know it, you are left with nothing. We need to treat laziness like a disease that we are trying to avoid. We don't want it in the house, we don't want it on the kids, we don't want it in us. Oh come on somebody. We don't preach on laziness. Oh come on, let's praise Jesus right now. You talk about laziness. Most people who have jobs and go to job and are employee of the month, they, they're standing up and clapping. But can I tell you that you could be an, a faithful employee, never miss a day of work, school, etc., and still be lazy. There are people that work, they're diligent, they're hardworking, but they're lazy in their marriage. The wife has to ask for her hand to be held. This is Pastor Appreciation Month. I'm a pastor. You better appreciate that. I know young men, young men, good young men, strong. Got it all together. But get home, can't even take out the garbage. Just lazy. It's getting quiet. Nobody wants to. Nobody wants to preach about this. But I'm trying to keep the armed man out of your life. I'm trying to keep the armed man out of your life. If you have, if you have substance abuse issues and you recognize that there are substance abuse issues and you know you want them out of your life, let me tell you something. It's going to take work. It's gonna. T- you're looking at somebody who was a drug addict. And I'm telling you, I, my job wasn't just to get drugs out of my life. My job was to get all the effects of drugs out of my life. And all the attitudes that led to drug abuse out of my life. And one of those things was laziness. Just laziness. Because I'd rather get high than work my problems out. I'd rather drink than work my problems out. I'd rather... I'd rather hustle than get a job and work my life out. I'm telling you, we got to be careful for laziness. It will come into your life. It will ruin you. Let me just, and I'm not, trying, I'm not trying to pastor you. You have a wonderful pastor. But I have to give you the word of the Lord. And you can, we cannot be lazy about raising our children. I love my children. My wife is doing a great job with my children. I wish I, I, wish I had been raised the way my children are being raised. But none of it is happening by accident. And I'm not, I'm not embarrassed to tell you this. My wife was raised in a Christian home. I was not raised in a Christian home. My wife was raised in a home where they were a lot more intentional and put forth a lot more effort at raising their kids. And I'm constantly having to catch up because I realized I got a little bit of a, of a laziness there. And somewhere, nobody told me that the kids don't just raise themselves. And don't, you let your, don't fool yourself and say, you know what, they come from good stock. Good stock still needs to be directed. Good, good stock still needs to be told it has a purpose. Good stock still needs to be told to wake up at, at 7 a.m., not p.m., 7 a.m. Good stock needs Good stock needs to be told that it needs a job. Good stock needs to be told to put its, its tie and its shirt on because it's Sunday morning. Good stock, if it's... If it's good stock, we ought to want to take care of it. If it's good stock, we ought to want to cultivate it. If it's good stock, we ought to. How good is. Oh, Come on, somebody. I wasn't going to say this. This is, no, this is perhaps none of my business. But, but let, me just, let me just tag in here really quick. If you are a single parent, husband, man or woman, I want to let you know, you got to work hard. You're going to have to. I'm sorry. It's whack that they left. It's whack that they left you with the kids. It's whack that they're not sending money. It's not right. It's not right that you're not getting the help you deserve. It's not, none of it's right. But what are we going to do? Now's not the time to let laziness creep in and take the kids away. It's bad enough they already lost their father. It's bad enough they already lost their mother. We can't. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. Let's. Let's praise him right now. We can't be lazy. We cannot be lazy. Because just a little bit of it can cause a lot of trouble. Ecclesiastes 10 and 1 says, Dead flies cause the ointment of the apothecary to send forth stinking savor. So doth a little folly him that is in reputation for wisdom and honor. If you don't know what apothecary is, I I won't overcomplicate it. It is a special perfume. And Solomon says that one dead fly in the perfume can ruin the whole thing and cause it to stink. Solomon compares this to a reputation Of a wise and honorable person. One would think that wise and honorable people don't need to be told this. But they do. Because the more honorable we are, the more careful we need to be. Because small errors can and will damage a lifetime of honor. Children... You ought to honor your parents. The scripture says because this is good. And it says, and your days will be long upon the earth. But parents, can I I preach to you out of the verse that says that parents are the glory of their children. What does that mean? That parents ought to live a life worth honoring. My kid loves me, but as they get older, I'm not going to get as many passes. And as they get older, and as I get older, I got to keep the flies out of the perfume. Oh, it's getting quiet. Hey, do you know that the higher people go up in in, in, in the secular world? There are people that go up the ladder and they talk less and less. They, do, they, they stay out of the public eye, less and less and less and less. They are trying to protect their honor. They're keeping the flies out of the perfume. There are people that make hundreds if not millions of dollars just to speak on the behalf of someone else. Because that person knows the higher I go up, the more careful I have to be with my reputation. You, we need a revival of reputation protection. We, we have to honor our reputation. We have to earn our reputation. Reputations are not just handed out. We have to. I have a reputation at home. I have a reputation at work. I, I, have, to, I have a reputation with my wife. I have to try to honor that. She has one with me. Reputations have to be protected. Reputations have to be kept because it doesn't take a lot to ruin one. I don't like this it bothers me as much as it bothers you that we can work hard we can we can be diligent we can be prayerful we can be faithful and then we have one bad day and it stains our record and I think everybody gets a pass here and there I think I think people are forgiving I I know God is But the truth of the matter is that that doesn't mean we could let our guard down and say, you know what, I got it all together, I'm set, I'm just going to throw it in auto. I'm just going to throw this in autopilot, and I should arrive safely. That's not the way this works. When we're young, when we're old, the reputation has to be guarded. It has to be protected. I will never forget, as long as I live, a man who I honored very highly. I was new to church. Uh, I was just starting to learn my, my way around the church and the church life and, and all this stuff. And everything was fine. And this, this, this gentleman would sometimes offer people help and financial help and jobs and just a really good man. And I'll never forget one day we were working together. I don't remember what happened. But the man just hauled off and started throwing things, and I gave him a pass. I was like, yeah, you know what? Everybody throws things sometimes. That's cool. (laughs) Things get thrown. (laughs) Then then he, you know, it picked up a little bit. He started kicking stuff. Cool, you know, people kick stuff, soccer players. he started
1: cussing,
0: started cussing, I don't even know why I'm talking about this, I, I actually kind of do, uh, can, I, can I just be very real, I feel a cussing spirit in here, you know there's some people think, well, what's cussing, I, 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 know, I know people that trivialize cussing, they're like it's just words, Jesus said that you will be known, by the words that proceed out of your mouth. The heart speaketh, the mouth speaketh from the abundance of the heart. The way you articulate and frame things. We got to stop that. You, you, we have to find better solutions for things than this. Surely cussing somebody out cannot be the best solution. Surely cussing somebody out is not a good solution for a Christian. You gotta keep the flies out your speech. you I feel a cussing spirit in here. ain't right. I'm I'm old school Christian enough to know. I'm i I'm still one of those old school Pentecost that believe you don't just talk in tongues, you bridle your tongue. Like I actually believe like one of the deliverances of the Holy Ghost is it'll get you to quit cussing. I know not like that was is that is that too old school? Is that too old school for some people? That when you get the Holy Ghost, you will stop cussing. Is that old school? Come on, somebody. What are you doing? give you a pass on the kicking and on the throwing but cut the cussing out. It's getting quiet. I don't like that. (laughs) (laughs) We'll leave the cussing alone. I'm telling you, you got to get delivered of that. It's going to be a fly in your apothecary, and your good stock children, and your good wife, and some good brethren, and some good sisters are going to start raising brows. something to preach. I'm almost done. We really got to pray about this people. I feel like a mixture in the air that's not cool. I feel feel like there are some people here, I understand, there are some visitors here that are saying, this is not that big of a deal. Visitor, I understand. But, But for those of us that are not visitors, this is a big deal. This is a big deal. This is No, let me tell you that. This is a little deal that causes big problems. This is a little deal that causes big hurts. This is because once the words go out, you don't get them back. And they're not just words. They're, they're, They're vehicles that transfer information, and I don't, and they have feeling and they have charge and they have energy and they have vibes. And in some cases, if you don't watch your tongue, they have spirits attached to them. You gotta watch your tongue. You can't just be loot. You- Let's let's get into this right here, just for a few seconds, come on, come on, come on, let's just sit here for a second, let's, come on, hallelujah, 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 Cute little kids, listen to me. Don't you go around thinking that just because you spell cuss words out, you ain't cussing. You better kick that habit now. Let me tell you, let me give you some good church facts, and then I'm going to move on because I don't want to upset. I don't want to get mad. I got, I got other stuff that's going to cause more problems than this. One of, the things in, one of the things about church is that a lot that could go wrong don't go wrong. There's, this is a rather climatized area. Right. The consequences for actions in a lot of cases are muted. So like you can walk around here cussing, and, and no one but the youth group knows, and they might tell the youth group leader once in a while, and it might get to pastor, and it's, it's kind of like a lot of, a lot of the, the damage is outsourced. To the, to, the, to the group. But let me tell you kids something. You just start running your mouth loose on the street. Somebody will smack you. A judge will fine you. A principal will suspend you. Those of us who are parents and say, you know what, it's little Timmy, he's just going through a face, he'll get over it. If we don't help little Timmy, let me tell you something, somebody's going to correct little Timmy who don't love little Timmy as much as you do. And somebody's going to serve little Timmy the business. And somebody's going to take little Tiffany and serve her the business. Mama, don't just let it slide. You, I'm not saying you need... You would do Timmy and Tiffany some good to just spend a little bit of time with them and talk to them about the way they're talking or about the way they're spelling words on Facebook and just go ahead and help them out. Because if you don't, somebody who doesn't love them as much as you do will. Come on. Come on, I'm fighting for your kids. We can't be lazy about this. We can't be lazy about our reputation. We got to keep the flies out of the apothecary. Come on, come on. Let's magnify Jesus for about 10 seconds. I'm almost done preaching. Hallelujah. I want to tell you about the third little thing that can get us in trouble. Let's all breathe really quick. Malachi 3 and 8. Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, where have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. You are cursed with a curse. For you have robbed me. Even this whole nation. Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in my house. And prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, that there shall not be room enough to receive it. Environment is everything. Alignment is everything. we create environments. Listen, I'm not here to take an offering. I know, uh, Pastor Mayo just leaned over to me a few seconds ago and told me you guys took up a huge offering uh, for your building and, and all these wonderful, beautiful things. Uh But I really feel like God told me to tell you this. It does not take a lot of money to get us into a lot of trouble. According to Malachi, it just takes a tithe. A tithe. The word tithe means ten or tenth. The basic principle of the tithe is that everyone... Everyone is to return, not give, not pay, return a tenth of their income to the Lord. Everyone is going to give the same percentage, but not the same amount. What this means is that a person who makes $10,000 per year returns $1,000 $1,000 in tithe. The person who makes $1 million per year returns 100000 in tithe. Rich or poor, everyone gives the same percentage. Our tax system would benefit from this. It's getting really quiet. If the tithe principle is in effect, and it is, it means that we are robbing God when we don't tithe. Let me repeat that. <laughs> Malachi's teaching that when we fail to tithe and give our offerings, we are not robbing the church. We are not robbing the pastor. We are not robbing a church department. We are robbing God. tell you something that's, that, that's very popular these days. That is to give to the charity of your choosing. I didn't, you know, I don't know about your Target. My Target, Sister Maya, where I live stays open until 12 p.m. Shout out to Target. I was at Target the other night 11.30 p.m. And when I went to pay for my stuff, You know what that little ATM machine asked me? If I wanted to donate more money. And you know what, Brother Sergeant? You know what I didn't do? I didn't take my debit card out and say, how dare you? I will never shop here again. Because I don't appreciate Target asking for additional money. I'll be at Target as soon as I get home. to know why when you go into Starbucks there's 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 these graphics everywhere of like little kids in third world countries taking uh, coffee beans off trees because they want you to think that when you buy our coffee there's an additional amount a little percentage of this money that's going to help you know who that additional money helps mr. Schwartz or whatever his name is But some of y'all got up early just to stop by Starbucks this morning. But when we read in the word of God, and he says, bring me the tithe to my storehouse, to my house, all of a sudden we bow up. We lock up. But God said, if you will do this little thing, I will open up big windows over your life. If you will do this little thing, I'll pour out big blessings over your life. This is not bad preaching. We should, we should. But what is going on even in churches today is that people give to their cause of choosing. To choose which event they like in the church and they give to that. Rather than being consistent. Forget consistency. Obedience. Rather than just being obedient. Listen, this mess, this is not for everybody. But this is, yes, this is for everybody. Because those who tithe need to be, need to be a refresher on what's going to happen when you do. It is not for naught. There's blessings that are poured out. There's grace that's poured out. There's enablement and empowerment and, and those who do not tithe need to be reminded, you are not robbing us. You are not robbing the sanctuary. You are robbing God. Let's give Mr. Schwartz the benefit of the doubt. You know why they're asking you to give, actually? Because they know you will. And they know that you feel better about giving to a worthy cause. Even if it's on the most subliminal levels. You feel good. Don't give until it hurts. Give until it feels good. Tell you something about this church. What are, what are we on? How many years has the? 25 years of taking drug addicts off the street. 25 years of pulling people out of the depths of suicide and depression. 25 years of getting people off Methamphetamine, 25 years of taking Yes. That's true. 25 years of taking people out of divorce court. 25 years. 25 years. There's been children that have been adopted. There's been people that have been restored. There's been families that have been... 25... This is a worthy cause. 25 years of doing good. Twenty. Not perfect, but good. 25 years of... 25 years of giving to missions. 25 years of giving to home missions. 25 years of funding other churches so that they can take people off the street. 25 That's a worthy cause. That's a good cause. But you... Come on, let's let's rec- let's get this. Let's get this. Let's get this. Come on. 25 years of doing good. Let's do this. This is embarrassing. Well, I'll do it. When I came to church, a church like this, where they act, where they where they practice the art of giving. I was depressed and suicidal. I'll stand. I don't, I, I'm not afraid to grab this microphone and say, I was suicidal. I was depressed. I was hooked on drugs when I came to church. My parents had paid therapists, psychologists, nothing. I was in and out of jail. You know. You know what the juvenile... You know what the juvenile detention centers cannot do is rehabilitate people. The laws of man do not rehabilitate men. The laws of God rehabilitate men. And you don't get the laws of God. The laws of man do not rehabilitate man. I have family members that work in the legal system. They will tell you that. We can't fix society. Pastor Mayo, I did not have an issue with giving my 10% when I came to church. You know why? Because I was giving it to the dope man. And I never asked the dope man, did you just tint the windows of your car on my money? I never asked the dope man, did you buy those rims with my money? somebody here, I could call you out right now, I could tell you who you are right now, there's somebody here, you're struggling with with gambling, you have a gambling addiction, and you're scoffing at what I'm preaching right now, sir, do you walk out of the casino and ask them, is all this being funded on my money? It is being funded on your money. Capisce? And I'd rather give that money to a worthy cause. To 25 years. 25 years. We can't even tell you where some of us used to be. Because it just would not be appropriate to say these kinds of things over the microphone. But I'm telling you, it's been 25 good years. Not 20... 20- not 25 perfect years, just good years. And we're not trying to get a big building. Amen. To be the to be the most glorious. We're trying to get a big building so that we might build the tabernacle of David with the residue of men. So that so that we can have 25 more good years of getting them off the street, taking them out of divorce court, getting them out of juvenile hall, getting them out of prison, getting them out of jail, getting them off meth, getting them off coke, getting them. I'm not afraid to tell you this. I, my next door neighbor for years in the house where I lived was the manager of the porno store. I gave him Bible studies, Bible studies, and now the porno store is a Hertz Rent-A-Car Center. Yes, that's what I'm talking about. 25 years of doing good. 25 years of Almost done, but let's let's you want you want to exegete? You want to exegete the text? Let's, exe, let's exegete the text. Some people argue there's, there's people here right now, members of this church that are not shouting with us. You know why? Because they're saying I'm misinterpreting the text, they're saying. This is part of the Old Covenant. Okay. I give you that. It's part of the Old Covenant. I will take your position. I'll take your position. It's part of the Old Testament. Fine. But you know what Hebrews 8 and 6 says? Yeah. That we are under a better covenant. Yeah. Yeah. That's established on what? Better promises. Yeah. So if under the Old, inferior covenant, there was 10% at get. Requested. What would be requested of the better covenant? You want to take that position? You want to take, you want to exegete the text that way? Let's exegete the text that way. Then let's just say, because nobody ever argues. I disagree with 10%. It should be nine. Nobody ever argues. It should be four. you, it should be zero. I, I don't know anywhere and in any arena of, of, of a relationship with God where zero is demanded. Where does God ever say, you know what, we'd be fine if you did nothing. Where in a relationship with anybody Will the relationship ever flourish or thrive based on nothing? But if we want to say this is Old Testament, then let's put away the 10%. And let's ask ourselves the honest, intellectually honest question. Then if we're under a better covenant with, that's established on better promises. Praise God right now. There's something beautiful happening in our lives right here, right now. It is a beautiful thing when we get a new... I'm almost done, I promise. I know this is, this is not... I read an article that gave an astonishing statistic the other day. It said that of all the people in America who call themselves Christians, only 4% of them return their tithe to God. If that statistic is accurate, it means that 96% of professing evangelical Christians regularly, habitually rob God of what belongs to him. It also means that 96% of professing nominal Christianity is exposing themselves to a curse. I'm not saying that. That's not like, that's not my word. Let me hit the pause button here. I actually preached this message last week at our church. And just my luck, I, I, I could not win that day. I could not win that day. We had so many visitors. And like, that's, this is not what you want to preach. Visitors, this is like not. go down a long like a, a long list of reasons why, why why what I'm preaching could be problematic but let's talk about why I wouldn't preach this like what would stop me from preaching this number one a fear of people leaving I'm afraid I really am I'm genuine I'm, I'm genuine about this. No jokes, no cackling, no heckling. Like, I'm afraid that people leave over stuff like this. This is a much larger church than mine, but I would be afraid if somebody here got offended and said, you know what, I came on the wrong day. And this is my last service. Like, that that really concerns me. That worries me. I'm just being transparent with you. Now, my church probably could fit on two of these people. And so I really don't want nobody to leave. Like, I need you there. (laughs) It's true. Afraid of people leaving. Number two, you know why I wouldn't preach this? Because I'm not interested in preaching the whole Bible. The whole thing. Because there are parts of the Bible that will never jive with modern society. Because the Bible has drop pins and they're fixed. They're fixed locations. Society is in flux. So there will be days that society agrees with the Bible and there will be days that society tries to ban the Bible. And it's hard to preach fixed positions to a fluctuating society hard to preach the rock to a liquid society and so a lot of pastors to to keep people coming and so that nobody gets offended and nobody leaves they don't preach the whole bible which brings me to my third point why would i not preach this because i don't care if people have a spiritual curse on their life and that's just the hard brutal ministerial self audit truth it doesn't bother me i just want you to stay in the chair i just want the crowd to get bigger i don't i want the crowd to get bigger but you know what i really want i want the crowd to be blessed i want the crowd to be blessed I want the crowd to have vivacious, robust, beautiful lives. And you cannot have a beautiful life without giving. Giving is part of the beautiful life. Giving is part, giving is the main ingredient of the beautiful life. For it is written that God so loved the world that he gave his, He gave way more than 10%. How dare we get offended? How dare we get offended? This is part of the beautiful life. Come on, come you know what? When I came to church, it was all about me, 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 me. Everything I did, I had to be the end of it. And it did me so much good to get into an atmosphere where they said, you know what? It ain't about you today. And we're going to encourage you to give, we're going to encourage you stretch. We're going to encourage you to believe. I am not afraid to tell you that there were days I tithed and I stayed obedient to God and I did not have groceries. And I'm not afraid to tell you that there was times that I cried and I wept and then someone knocked on my door and there was a bag of groceries. bilingual. If you have not noticed, I am Mexican. (laughs) I know you can't tell from where I'm sitting, you're sitting, but I'm Mexican. Yo hablo espanol, like real Spanish. I read in Spanish. I have a Spanish-speaking congregation. I'm probably going to step on some feet here. I'm almost done. I'll be on the plane at 6 a.m. I have a congregation that is primarily undocumented. Thank you. They are my brothers and sisters in the Lord. Some of them are my countrymen. But they're also my brothers and sisters in the Lord. Love them. I had won. I used to pastor a Spanish church years ago. I had won several Hispanics to the Lord. My people. And they loved me. And I I get it. I moved 45 minutes away to start another church. And they told me in Spanish, pastor, wherever you go. We're going with you. And so they did. They moved 45 minutes. And, it, you know, in the Bay Area where I live, 45 minutes can change the economy very quickly. And so they came with me. I didn't ask them to. I wouldn't have cared if they didn't. We're not like gypsies not. So I had this couple, the Ruano's. They never said a word to me. They are one of the most faithful, giving people in our church. I did not ask them to. They stay after everybody leaves and they clean the building. And financially, they give without fail. And you know what the wife does? She cuts vegetables in the back of a restaurant. That's what she does. You know what the husband does? He drives. He delivers for Amazon and does taxi and Uber and Lyft. And you know what else he does? He gives. He gives the percentage that God asked. They don't complain. They don't, they don't tell you when they're struggling. Let me tell you something, and just because you're strong, it doesn't mean the weights aren't heavy. Right. Right. And they're strong people. But the weights are still heavy. That's right. When they moved, their their personal economy took such a hit that they went six weeks without any groceries. And Sister Ruanu would walk home. every. She'd walk. They have a daughter that is brilliant. I mean, she's a savant. The girl is intelligent. So she goes and picks her daughter up at school, and then walk. she walks from her job. She walks to the school, and then walks the child home. And when she picks the daughter up, they have to walk by a park. And they were walking by the park, and on the park bench, there was a there was three bags full of groceries. And the park was totally empty. And the daughter said, Mom, there's like a bunch of food over there. And the mom broke, struggling, under the weight. You know what she said? That's not our sweetheart. Wow. We don't steal from God and we don't steal from anybody else. Good
1: preaching.
0: don't steal from God. We don't steal from anybody else. And we behave that way when nobody's looking. They went home. They came back out to go to the store. The Bags of groceries were still there. The girl brilliant. I just can't even tell you how smart she is. She said, Mom, that is from God. Let me tell you, they live in the hood. Six bags of groceries or whatever is not going to just stay there for an hour. There are some people that rob from God and everybody else in the hood. go. She left work the next day. Went to go pick up her daughter the next day. Walked by the park and there was another set of groceries. This went on for six weeks. Will a man rob God? Will a man rob God? Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. This is your inheritance in the Lord. This is your inheritance. Come on, somebody's getting really touched right now. Come on, we need to. I'm not telling you God's going to buy you a car. I'm not telling you that. He might, but I'm not telling you that. This is not blabbing and grabbing. This is not prosperity. This is the goodness of God. This is the grace of God. This is the windows of heaven being opened over you. Come on, come on, come on, come on. I'm done preaching. Hallelujah. Musicians, come. Wow. I promise you, I promise you, Pastor Mayor, I love you. I would never get in your lane. You are the pastor. You're the bishop here. I would never get in your lane. And I'm telling God the whole time, I don't want to preach on tithe. There's visitors out there. And then Sister Mayor comes and starts singing the blessing of
1: Abraham. Ain't waiting
0: no more. <laughs> and then Pastor Miles has got to get up and say, we're going to pray the Malachi prayer over you. Well guess what? Right back at you. The sergeant, tithing creates environments. Jesus said, Give, it'll be given back to you. Amen. Very reverently. Can we just lift our hands right now? There's people here that are being visibly moved by the Holy Ghost. I'm looking at the faces of some visitors that are sobbing right now. (laughs) I'm not waiting no more. I'm not waiting no more. I want the blessing of Abraham. Let's just pray together. Let's stand. If you're not standing already, let's stand. Can we slip our hands in the air? Let's just bask in this right now. There's something beautiful here right now. If you'd like to make your way out of your seat and come pray. if you feel God touching you right where you're at, don't move. just keep praying right there. Just stay focused. Hallelujah. but if you feel the urge to come to the front then come to the front. Hallelujah.